World's Finest Podcast, Episode 40. Your host, the ever sardonic James Doe, and with me as always is Michael David Sims. Hello, how are you? I am great. Dubs and I finished our Saw review, so we're I'm good. I'm I'm just really happy that we got that done really quickly. I will say that that review is not going to go up on Earth2.net until sometime next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm looking at probably Wednesday. So what would that be? Wednesday, the fifth of November. Yeah. Yes. Um, but. Oh, God, I can't wait for that thing to hit the site, because it is an excellent review, my friend. It Thank is you. easily the best review you and DW have done together. Um, I mean, it's funny, it's sarcastic, it captures both your voices, but it's also a really good, thorough examination of Saw. You guys hit a lot of the points. It's not just like, oh, this sucks, let's make jokes. It's, this sucks, this is why it sucks, this is why it sucks some more. Now, here's a joke. You guys really <laughs> d- dug in deep with that one. I really can't wait until next Wednesday when that goes up on the site. Uh, thank you. I'm sure DW feels the same way because yeah. we both agree that was our best one yet, too. It definitely was. I, I really think that's a contender for an Earth2.net uh, award this year, really. Well, and yeah. by that same token, uh, your uh, Earth2.net, the show with Jen uh, dissecting it was great also, <laughs> as as they always are. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like going into the review, like Jen is gun-ho about doing it because she's like, yeah, let's rip it to shreds. And I'm like, no. And then we start doing it and she's like, man, this sucks. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just a tired old franchise at this point. But that's what happens. I mean, even if this, if the Saw franchise started out good five years ago, it'd be watered down by now. I said this during Earth2.net, the show 278, I think it was. Yeah, 278 when Jen and I reviewed it. You know, look at Nightmare on Elm Street. One is excellent. Two, it divides people. So I won't even mention my thoughts on that. Three is excellent. But beyond that, when you get into four and five and you keep going on, the movies just get worse and worse as they go along. And that happens to every franchise that sticks around way too long. And Saw is definitely no exception to that. So, and I'm I'm just glad that even some of the diehards are starting to see like, damn, this is kind of starting to suck. Uh, yeah, that was really my one of my big points. Uh, not to spoil anything from the column, but yeah, that it, it took people this long to realize that these movies suck. But at least they realize it. Yeah, I I just find it hysterical that High School Musical three. <laughs> <laughs> In the in the domestic and international box office takes. I mean, okay, two totally different audiences for sure. You know, not going to be a lot of overlap there, but still, High School Musical three that, that warms my heart. Yeah, it, it does. does. It does mine too. I I was so tempted to buy a ticket to High School Musical three and then go see Saw five, <laughs> just so I wasn't giving Lionsgate my twenty bucks. You know, yeah. 
that's uh, awesome. Yeah, but enough about Saw. Mm-hmm. Um, this is normally the point where I would say, hey, let's get to some emails. But I hate to inform you guys that we're not going to be covering any emails today. Um, I'm kind of pressed for time. So uh, James and I, we're going to skip them uh, in this episode of the show. Uh, but we promise you, in the next episode, there will be all the emails we would have covered today and any of the emails, emails, pardon, that come in between now and our next recording. So expect about three hours worth of just emails because yes. I can guarantee you the emails we were going to cover in this episode probably would have taken between 45 and 60 minutes alone. <laughs> it's useless. It barely lasts a day anymore. What do I pay you people for? It's not the skin, sir. The radiation you're emitting is getting stronger. Is that supposed to pacify me? Mr. Powers, I have a suggestion. Who are you? She's new here, Mr. Powers. She really shouldn't be. I'm Dr. Lake. Stephanie Lake. What's this suggestion of yours? I could use your baseline DNA to build you a new body, then transfer your neural patterns into it. Dr. Lake, it's not your place to... A new body? Theoretically, it should work. Of course, I would want to test the process first on someone who also has systemically damaged DNA. You have someone in mind? Take a good look, Doctor. I've been like this for nearly 50 years, and I have an aged one day. I have become what many men have dreamed of, an immortal. And yet, there hasn't been a day, an hour, a minute. I haven't thought about death. It obsesses me, even now. What if I said I could give you life? A normal life? Ah. Victor, an incredible mind like yours deserves a body. First up today is Meltdown. In this episode, uh, it starts off with Batman stopping a bunch of uh, Derek Powers' goons from dumping a bunch of toxic waste into the Gotham River. And so Batman rubs it in by calling Powers on one of the goons' cell phones and telling him all about it. Uh, so Powers, who is trying to bully a small company into a buyout, uh, starts shedding his skin around his eyes, and his eyes start glowing, and his uh, secretary warns him about it, so he has to flee the room pretty quickly. Um, in the testing chamber, the scientists tell him that uh, the radiation is getting stronger rather than his fake skin getting weaker. Uh, so some woman named uh, Dr. Lake just waltzes into the room and uh, offers to save Powers by implanting his brain into a new body. However, she wants to test it on someone else with systemically damaged uh, cells. Uh, the person of sorts that they have in mind is none other than the, the head of Mr. Freeze. <laughs> so Dr. Lake uh, goes to the disembodied head and offers to build Freeze a new body and thus give him a new life. And the experiment seems to work because when Freeze wakes up in his new complete human body, he touches the window and is able to sense the coldness from uh, the, the winter weather outside. Uh, so the next day at the high school, uh, Terry's talking to Dana and wants to take her out somewhere, but Bruce shows up with Ace in tow and he has to leave. So uh, Bruce shows Terry a tape of Freeze and Powers at a press conference, which is really just a platform for Powers to sh- showcase uh, Dr. Lake's technology that will, of course, net him countless billions of dollars. Uh, Bruce then tells Terry to keep an eye on Freeze because, shock of shocks, he doesn't trust him, or Powers for that matter. Yeah. Uh, 
So later, Freeze saves a kitten from falling onto a subway track, and Batman notes that, wow, he's a danger to society. <laughs> so uh, Freeze and Dr. Lake go to the cemetery where uh, Lake had his, for- his former head buried uh, in a small grave. And Dr. Dr. Lake and Freeze look like they're about to kiss, and then some guy comes up from behind and tries to assassinate Freeze from behind a tombstone, but Batman saves him in time, and turns out that the guy was a relative of a family that Freeze slaughtered decades ago. So Freeze apologizes as best he can for what he did, and he then goes on TV and declares a foundation for whose uh, proceeds, which is really all of his money from his past life, will go to the families of those he pretty much destroyed. Uh, after this, he starts feeling unusually warm on the TV set, and it, it turns out he's starting to revert to his old form where he couldn't survive outside of uh, hideously cold conditions. So Derek Powers is naturally pissed off because this could be the end of his chance to get rid of the radiation in his body. So Dr. Lake decides to biopsy Freeze's organs so that they can find the exact cause of the relapse. Uh, but Freeze manages to break out of his containment, and he escapes out into the winter night. But he returns the next night in a suit that he kept holed <laughs> up somewhere, and he, he kills Dr. Lake outright. Oh, yeah, she's uh, dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he then tries to do the same thing to Powers. However, uh, Powers' radiation thaws him out, and as Batman is trying to calm Freeze down from destroying this building, Powers, fully in his radioactive form and now calling himself Blight, assaults Freeze and mortally wounds him and just putting him in excruciating pain from all the heat. So Batman and Freeze manage to stop Blight when Freeze blasts him out of the building. Uh, but as Batman tries to get Freeze out, the building starts really crumbling down, and the building just collapses with him inside. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, I just got to say, I love this episode. Ditto. Oh, I... It was... I don't know if I've seen this one before. I think I've seen parts of this one before. Maybe I've seen the whole thing. I don't remember. But as I was watching it, I noticed that I didn't take my first note until Mr. Freeze uh, gave Dr. Lake that pissed off look after uh, she tried killing him by turning the heat up in his chamber. Mm-hmm. And he threw the table through the window and stormed out and he stood over her and and he just gives her, because we don't normally see Mr. Freeze like that. Normally he's Mr. Emotionless, you know? Yep. And he's standing over her in his human form, his emotions fully there. He just wants to stomp on this woman, you know? And he just storms out instead. And that's the first note I took right there. That is approximately maybe five to seven minutes before the thing ends. Because yep. I was so engrossed by what was going on here. Um, just from start to finish. And then... To, to to have this be the end of Mr. Freeze, because he doesn't come back, right? This is right, it. this is it. It's, it's, I mean, in some way, it's a fitting end for Mr. Freeze, and it makes up for some of the lackluster Freeze stuff we got, you know, kind of recently. Right. Um, over in, uh, well, at the end of Batman the Animated Series and Gotham Knights. But at the same time, I'm sad to see him go, because I just am. He's one of those characters that despite him being cold and supposedly emotionless, they put a lot of emotion into the character and they made us love him despite the fact that he was a bad guy. Um, they made us understand him and, oh, uh, it's, it's, it's sad. That's all I have to say about it. Sorry. I'm, it really I'm rambling at this point because I'm just gushing. Yeah. I mean, I, say? I love this episode too. I just, I really think this should have been a two-parter. Yeah. Because there was far too much stuff that was rushed through here. 
you have in no in no short order here we have Mr. Freeze being revived, given a new body, being betrayed, coming back in a new suit, the introduction of powers as Blight, Blight facing off with Freeze and Batman and Freeze dying. Mm-hmm. It's just too much stuff. I really think they could have made this a two-parter. Um, I'm not going to count off for it or anything, but it really was rushed. And uh, Personally, I wish they would have had a scene with Freeze uh, going to wherever he was keeping that suit mm-hmm. hidden taking it out of the storage, putting it on with some really creepy music behind it. Yeah. That would have been great. That really would have been. Instead of just having him burst to the floor and be like, I kept this suit in cold storage. Huh? Huh? Get it? And yeah. <laughs> when, when he uttered that line, I was like, ooh, that's bad. That, that's something yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. That's Peter exactly what I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, it works because it is a tense scene. I mean, you got Freeze... I mean, he doesn't have the gun anymore. He's shooting out of his hands. You know, the, the whole thing works well, but you're right. Having him go there, because we know what he's doing. We know he's going to go get a suit, you know. So it would have been nice to have followed him. Um, it also would have been nice if we could have seen more of the budding relationship between Freeze and Lake. Um, because it would have been more, it would have been a stronger emotional tug on us if they right. had an established relationship, and then they then she betrays him. Right. I mean, you can understand why he'd want revenge on her. We get that. He she did this thing for him, and now he's just found out it was only to help someone else. He's pissed. But if there was an added romance there, he got duped. Mister Freeze doesn't get duped easily. So for him to get duped, and now he's pissed off about that, that would have been an extra level to it. So yeah, yeah, I fully agree with. There could have been a second part, but I don't necessarily think it needed a second part at the same time. If that makes sense. Dr. Lake says outright that when when Freeze escapes and she says he'll never last very long, we're going through a heat wave. Yeah. It, every night it's snowing. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck? Yeah, I didn't get that. Where the episode starts out and the weather seems like your normal spring-summer weather. I mean, look at the clothes Dana's wearing. That that's that, That's not winter, right? But then all of a sudden there's a blizzard in Gotham. And then next thing you know, they're going through a heat wave. I'm like, what? What is going on in Gotham City? Has the Weather Weather Wizard Part Three showed up? You know, <laughs> and he's fucking around, and that's a side mission we're not seeing. I, yeah, I, I didn't know what was going on there. And thank you for bringing attention to that. Yeah, um, but you know what? I'm gonna go right back into the positives here. <laughs> how about the How about the design of that freeze suit? That was yeah. badass. Because yeah. freeze's face, you can't even see his face anymore. It's just, it's like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I'll fully awesome. admit. I'll fully admit that the banner that I'm going to use on uh, Earth2.net is Mister Freeze in the new suit. Awesome. I, I've already. I was already looking for images, and I already came across the one I was going to use. And it's just his barely seeable face, the silhouette of his face in that new mask. I love it so much. Uh, and I, I like how it's extra bulky, and he can make himself fly with it by pointing his hands down. And, and like I said, no more gun, so now you can't knock it out of his hands. He's just, oh, oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. And uh, when he first bursts into the building there, and he right before he kills Lake, he repeats the line that she said back to him when she was transferring his mind into the new body. Mm-hmm. That, that was awesome. Just remember, Dr. Lake, there may be some temporary discomfort. And then he kills her. Yes. Kills her dead. And what sells that scene is her scream. I don't know who provided the voice for her, but 
like they cut outside and all we see is the blue flashing from a window mm-hmm. and she is screaming so loud and it's not just like a Hollywood scream. There's like it seems like there's pain, agony, blood curdling scream. scream was coming out of her mouth. And I got no pun intended because it's Mr. Freeze episode, but I got a shiver up and down my arms when that happened, and I'm getting one now talking about it. And then the fact that we never... Because I'm like, okay, maybe she'll somehow live. We've seen other people get frozen and live, you know? But then the fact that they never come back to her, and I was like, no, she's dead. She is dead. Oh, like, yeah. wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but she deserved it. You know, it's not oh, like... Yeah. It's not like he was going after Powers and she got in the way. She is the one that instigated this whole thing to, to, to get in good with Powers. You know, yep. now let me say something about Dr. Lake, though, if I can. Please do. And it's this. I am kind of tired of the sexy, saucy female scientist that walks in and shows up the, the older, usually male scientists who seem to know what they're actually doing and she uses sexuality and this and that to get her way. And then at the end of the day, guess what? Her plan was flawed. I'm tired of that character. And that's exactly what Dr. Lake was. And I like the fact that at the end, uh, the scientists, when they're trying to get Blight into that uh, hovercraft, they kind of they kind of have a little attitude. You know, I mean, Blight puts them in their place. I forget what he says, but he does put them back in, the, in their place. But they, they they get a jab in on him. Yep. You know, and I, I appreciated that, but yeah, I just, mm, I, I want to see writers create characters that have a little more depth than that right there. I'm the sexy young female and I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Look at my boobs. Okay. Oh no. Everything got screwed up. Eh. <laughs> Cause she really just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. She, we she don't even know if she, she out of nowhere. we don't even know if she works for Wayne Powers. <laughs> Yeah, she just she just she she just found her way in. That's it. You know, <laughs> she wasn't even working there. <laughs> yeah, and all and never mind the fact that she's in the presence of somebody who really just being around for a few minutes could cause cancer. Yeah, yeah. Did you notice that no one in that scene was wearing their suits? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the skin that he has is is being melted away from all this strengthening radiation. But they're like, eh, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> now I have a question: Are we to assume? that the toxic waste that was being dumped in the beginning was some sort of, for lack of a better word, runoff from Blight? Or was that just Wayne Powers being douchey and dumping toxic waste? Because I, I could see it either way. But I'm, I'm leaning more towards that some sort of something they're draining off of Blight himself. Uh, I'm going to go with the opposite. I, okay. I think it was just him being a douchebag. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Because <laughs> I wasn't really thinking very clearly into it. But that's that's really. I was like, oh wow, he's dumping toxic waste like a Captain Planet villain. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Oh, we should do a Captain Planet podcast. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> if you want me to rant for every single episode, by all means, let's do it. Now, this is the first time Terry has seen Powers as Blight. Correct. That is correct. Did he? realize that Blight was Powers? I wasn't sure no, if he, he made that connection. No, he doesn't. Even though Blight is wearing the same clothes, yeah. tattered as though they may be, he does not deduce it there. Uh, that okay. doesn't come till the end of season one. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Because he never said anything, you know. They, they didn't cut to him and Bruce talking about what happened to Powers. In fact, it's kind of irked me that they haven't gone back to what happened to Powers. Terry saw Powers get gassed. He saw that. 
he had a hand in it. He threw the canister at Powers, you know? And Powers shot it and gets gas, so he knows something should be up with that guy. But they're just blowing it off like, oh, nothing happened to him and he's A-OK. And I really wish they would have had Terry or Bruce or someone doing some sort of investigation to see what happened to Powers and how he was cured of this gas that rightfully should have killed him. But uh, that's that. That's not something that I'm holding against this episode. It's just something I'm holding against um, the first season. Really, the first season as a whole. Really, I mean, it's not ruining the season for me. But I, I just would have liked to have seen a plot thread running throughout all these episodes. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. Um. Really, I think besides mentioning the awesome music throughout this episode the only other... <laughs> you're reading my notes dude <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I, I wanted i wanted to mention was that uh dr lake says that she's going to well i mean not in so many words that she'll kill freeze to biopsy his organs mm-hmm. um the only way you can perform a biopsy is with living organs that's a scientific fact so uh-huh. I don't know if they realize that or not i'm just being a nerd here but that's <laughs> that's just how it is <laughs> Okay, that, anyway, uh, carry on, Mike. <laughs> I, I didn't catch that at all. That's a great catch. Um, but getting back to the music, yes, you are right. The music in this is just spot on, especially during, like, the climax of the episode. Oh, oh yes. I, I swear, when we're done recording, I really want to throw this one back in, just put my notebook on my desk and say, screw it. I'm watching this all over again completely for fun. Um, well, as, as much fun as you can have watching a depressing Mr. Freeze episode. <laughs> well, aren't they all depressing, really? Magma, Freon, and the 2D Man. Who is this terrific trio? Tonight, we've got the exclusive inside story. Several months ago at the Bay Ridge Research Center, prize-winning physicist Dr. Mike Morgan, his fiance Mary Michaels, and lab assistant Stuart Lowe were accidentally exposed to dangerous levels of radiation during a particle fusion experiment. We warn viewers that the tape we're about to show may be too intense for children. Turn it up! result, their bodies underwent dramatic changes. Now, these heroes have promised to use their incredible abilities to clean up Gotham. The government has spared no expense in establishing their new base of operations, the Trio Tower. United in their war on crime, here comes the terrific trio. Next up is the episode called Heroes. In it, uh, Terry, as Batman, of course, crosses paths with the Fantastic Four. I mean, the terrific trio. They go by Magma, Freon, and 2D Man. Uh, They are scientists who were exposed to a lethal dose of radiation, and in some weird, marvelous twist of fate, (laughs) haha, like what I did there, Mm -hmm. they didn't die from the radiation, they gained fantastic powers. (laughs) 
Sorry, I'll stop. No, no, please keep going with this. This is hilarious. <laughs> and yeah, so they they get these uh, uh very fantastic powers and they become superheroes. Um Magma is a cross between the Thing and Johnny Storm. He's like a walking uh volcano. We have Freon who is pretty much a cross between Miss uh uh, uh, the Invisible Woman and uh, Iceman, really. Uh, she can turn kind of uh, sort of invisible, but she's uh, freezy, too. And then we have the 2D Man, who is just straight-up Reed Richards. And uh, they are working for the government, the military, something like that. And uh, as as Terry's keeping an eye on them, because he thinks they're heroes, but Bruce is like, I, I don't know, something weird is going on here. I really need you to watch them. So as he's keeping an eye on them, we find out that there is a fourth member of the group who should have been in the room with them when they gained their powers. Um, but he was conveniently at a meeting. And now him being the only true human of the group, he's running tests on them to try to find out if their condition can be reversed. And what he's learned is that it is not only irreversible, but their DNA is breaking down to the point where they uh, are going to die. Um, they find out that uh, he's been lying all along. He set up the experiment in an effort to kill 2D Man, or the guys who would become 2D Man, and Magma, so he could run away, basically, with the woman who became Freon. So Magma goes apeshit and starts attacking this guy, and they all try to commit suicide, really, with this guy in the room. But Batman shows up, and uh, he dis disposes of, we'll talk about this in a minute, possibly kills all three members of the team um, in an effort to save the fourth guy, the, the villain, really, um, from, you know, getting killed himself. Um, I think that synopsizes this one. Um, while it's right there, you know, we just brought it up a second ago, jumping to the end, did Terry kill them? I mean, because 2D Man gets sucked through the vent. As does uh, Freon. As does Freon, she falls apart. She literally just turns into mist and screams as it happens. Magma gets hosed down and just turns into this black mass. It seems like they died. Do they come back? No, they're dead. Yeah, I really do think Terry killed them. I don't think it was his intention to do it, but I ultimately do think that is what happened. And you're thinking that too? Yeah, kind of, sort of-ish. The mm. thing is, though, I mean, they overloaded that reactor, and it was going to kill thousands of people. Yeah. So it's like, well, what are you going to do? These people are going to die anyway. They've gone apeshit, psychotic. They're never, they're not going to stop what they're doing. Yeah. I, If you got to do away with them to save thousands of people, I guess that's what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, because Bruce never calls Terry on it, it's kind of left to the viewer to decide what happened. Um, I am leaning, I'm, I'm with you there, where they were going to be dead anyways. Terry had no choice but to get rid of them to save, as you said, thousands of people. Um, so either way, they died, I guess. And Bruce is okay with it, or Terry didn't tell him what happened. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he turned the, the video the video feed off. Yeah. <laughs> Convenient how that can be turned off and on at, at Terry's whim. Uh -huh. um, now, before we say anything else about this episode, I do have to make a suggestion for World's Finest Podcast. Previously, we've had the Robot Alert. 
you suggested a mutagenic alert. Is that yeah, what you suggested? Mut- yeah, mutagen mutation alert. So, of course, we have that here in this episode. Yep. Um, but I am now suggesting a McGinnis, get out of there now alert as well. <laughs> because I'm 99% sure Bruce said it in Meltdown, and I know he said it in this episode too. And I'm sure we're going to hear it time and time again. But it's got me wondering if they're even having Kevin Conroy in the studio to record lines, or if they're just like, oh, let's use that, that just him yelling from that other episode. We'll just drop it in here. <laughs> it's like the same delivery. It's like, McGinnis, get out of there now! Or just, McGinnis, get out of there! And they drop the now. <laughs> so, yes, please, from this point forward, we have to have an alert on that one. Okay. It, it will be uh, done. Okay, I'm sorry. What are your thoughts about this one? Uh, truthfully, this one really did not do it for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard there were actually people on the forums uh, that said that they really liked uh, some of the characters in this episode, and um, they like the episode overall, but eh, not not really for me. Um, I'm trying to think right from the beginning where they where these three uh, uh, quote unquote fantastic terrific heroes are being introduced to the masses. On the commercial, they show their heroism by burning through an American flag. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Patriots, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. How about those guys? <laughs> and I, I think m- maybe my biggest problem with this episode is Magma himself. The dude is a walking, burning plot hole. If mm-hmm. if he burns the ground he walks on, which is shown several times, shouldn't he be melting through the earth wherever he stands? Yeah. And to that effect, how is he not melting the plane when he's flying to and from the tower when he steals that DNA information? I am going to try to justify this one by saying. His how how excuse me how hot he is is based on his temper. So if he's just going into battle, he's not as hot as he is when he's honestly pissed off. So he's not burning the ground then. But when he is fighting Batman and he is stomping through that facility, his his adrenaline's rise or uh, raised. He's pissed off, so he's hotter and he's melting. I mean. I'm I'm trying to fill in a gap here. I, I, might, I, I actually I actually could buy that. Actually, yeah, that but the, the flaw like on sense. that is though, if it's attached to his adrenaline, then he should be burning the ground when he is in a scuffle, like when they tried to break up that hostage situation. And I don't think it was happening then. So I realize there's a flaw to my uh, argument there. Yeah. But it's the only thing I can come up with. But yeah. you are right. You, you you are right. Without that explanation, we should see those burning footprints everywhere, and we don't. Yeah. Um, one thing I did find kind of funny, kind of interesting, was um, when the Terrific Trio first show up on the scene and they stop those four rocketeer-looking guys from mm-hmm. stealing whatever they were stealing, none of the people in the crowd uttered the word fantastic. They were using all kinds of words to describe these people, yeah. uh, these three, but not a single one of them uttered the word fantastic. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it would have been nice if they threw one in there like, hey, get it? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, they're not hiding the fact that this is supposed to be an homage to the Fantastic Four. Oh, not at all. So maybe they didn't want to go that far. Um, it, it would have been nice if they did, but, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I, I, I fully admit that's got to be why they didn't do it. Because yeah. they they went around it using every other exclamatory de- descriptive word. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, while we're talking about them being uh, an homage to the Fantastic Four, I would like to point out that one of the reasons I'm not totally keen on this episode, don't get me wrong, I like this episode. I think it's better than average. Um, I think the animation is really good, especially on uh, the, the terrific trio, because 2D Man does look flat. Uh, Freon, she, I like the way she is all misty, and I love just magma, just that mass of glowing orange and black rock. That's really good. But the thing that kind of got under my skin with this episode is, if they were going to make this a tribute to the Fantastic Four, then where was the big sci-fi action-adventure fun? I am not upset that they made these three ultimately the villains of the episode. That's fine that they did that. Um... It's just the Fantastic Four should have a certain level of, of sci-fi excitement, and none of it was here. And the Fantastic Four should also have that family dynamic, that at, the, at their core, they're not a team. They're a husband and a wife. They're a brother and a sister. They are uh, uh, two best friends, all living together to go fight crime and solve scientific mysteries. That's what they do, and none of that was here. Not the excitement, not the family dynamic, nothing. And so it felt like a very flat uh, homage, tribute to the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I got to say, pretty much going further on that, I think they did this, this exact, almost exact kind of plot so much better in Justice League twice, in Legends and in Ultimatum. Now, Legends, of course, is the episode where the, where Lantern and Hawk Girl, Flash, and uh, Martian Manhunter are all transported into that alternate dimension where they meet those uh, Golden Age uh, homage heroes. Oh, where they basically meet the Justice Society, right? Yeah, exactly. And then that one was is an amazing episode. It, it makes mm-hmm. me cry every time I watch it. But and then the other one is Ultimatum, where you have the the Wonder Twin, uh, Wonder Twins homage, the Apache Chief homage, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Ultimen, and their DNA is breaking down. That again, that's an amazing episode. This one, no, they really did not do it very well here. But you know, yeah. it's it's nice to know that they try it again and they succeed twice in doing it later on. Yeah, um, I, I think another thing that made this episode kind of fail for me was the motivation behind the fourth guy that Ugh, was doing this all to get the girl. It's like really, just shoot him in the face. Don't expose them to ultra high levels of radiation. Just get a gun and shoot them in the skull. <laughs> Guns still do exist in the Batman Beyond universe. Yes, they do. It was just overly complicated. And then the fact that, you know, why did he even let the girl go in there? Why didn't he call her out at the last minute? Like, no, you have to come and do this thing with me. And then the two guys get killed or changed or irradiated. Whatever. Yeah, why did he not make an effort to get her out? They don't even bother to explain that. And I I just don't like that kind of storytelling. No. Um, the, we know this crew is better than that. So to see them rely on such a cliched, villainous motivation, it really does just make me grab my heart and go, no, 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 no. You guys are so much better. Yeah. Um, that, that guy... The, He's supposedly their friend. He swear, I swear to God, he goes from friend to douchebag and back again at least four times. He has yeah. no continuity at all. Mm-hmm. And then that last line that he utters, oh, God, I was their friend. 
if that wasn't the most horribly acted, disingenuous nonsense I have ever heard outside of a Saw movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me. don't you start. Don't you start. Uh, anyways, moving on. <laughs> um, I have to wonder if there was another homage in this episode. There's the scene where Terry is trapped under all that equipment, and uh, he presses himself up, and he lifts it off himself, and he's able to escape. There's a very famous, and I'm sorry I can't remember the issue it happened in, uh, but there's a very famous scene where Spider-Man is in an identical situation, and he pushes him up, pushes himself up in the equipment off himself in the same exact manner. Um, and if they were already doing a tribute to one group of Marvel characters, they might have possibly thrown in another tribute, and that being the one to Spider-Man. I don't know. Maybe it's just a coincidence, but it looks just like it to me. Uh, do you know the scene, scene I'm talking about, James? Yeah, okay, it's the. Okay. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking so, about. So you see that there are some parallels there. Whether they intended them to be there or not, they are there. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, what else do you want to say about this one? Uh I have a couple notes. One, okay. one kind of cool. There's in that same scene where Batman is fighting Magma. I liked how when they're fighting and Magma jumps at Batman and he kind of judo rolls him over. You could see the flames left on Batman's feet. Yeah, that, that was, was very cool. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, what's her face? Freon uh, busting out cold puns always. Oh, was she? I yeah. didn't notice that. I wish I wish I could remember what she said. It was in the scene with the the, the uh, hostage situation, but oh yeah, what is it? She says, um, "What's the matter, guys? Cold feet." Oh, oh yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I I think I might have excused them in the moment, and then obviously later on forgot about them because I didn't remember it until you just said it. Because this was supposed to be a tribute to the Fantastic Four, and the roots of the Fantastic Four are firmly in the Silver Age. There were bad puns back then, um, so maybe that's why I overlooked it. But you're right. I, even if that's what they were going for, for that vibe, you still shouldn't use them in with today's or even the sensibilities of 10 years ago. You know, because people do just kind of cringe at them. Because we want our comic book heroes to be smarter than that. Yes. We're tired of the puns because that's what keeps us in the dark. That's what keeps other people... Uh, non-comic readers looking at them at the books and going, see, it is just one bad pun after the next. And it's like, no, it's not really. But and then this happens on TV and you're like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the vid link captured that flash of light just before your little vacation. So I took a closer look. Somehow this information was fed directly into your brain where it then played back before your eyes. I swear I could smell the water. With such advanced technology and his knowledge of the human psyche, this madman should be considered very deadly. Next up today is the episode Spellbound. Uh, in this one, Chelsea is walking home with uh, Rick, and uh, she she they part ways, I don't know, midway or something, and uh, she comes upon this guy dressed up in this bizarre orange and black suit, and he hypnotizes it, uh, her into grabbing this object from her house that apparently is worth like $80,000 or something, and she ends up dropping into the river so he can take it for himself. Um, what happens is Chelsea thinks she's on like an Indiana Jones-like uh, adventure, where and when really she's just walking around her home under a trance, 
And her father, after this happens, needless to say, is not very happy. Um, so he has, of all people, Barbara Gordon go to talk to uh, the school counselor about her behavior, but the guy says she's just making it up to get out of trouble. So Terry is eavesdropping on this conversation, and later he tells Wayne that there's no way she did, uh, did it on purpose. She's kind of airheaded, but she's not really stupid. But, you know, Wayne just dismisses it as her being a troubled kid. So later, um, the guy who uh, kind of accosted Chelsea, uh, whom the media will dub Spellbinder, hypnotizes an auctioneer into knocking his security guards out, and he takes several dresses worth God knows how much money. Um, and Batman has to fight off the auctioneer who thinks he's in the Vietnam War under his hallucination. Um, he overcomes him. He snaps him out of his trance, and he's left wondering what the hell happened. So the next day, Gordon decides to reopen the investigation of Chelsea's misadventure since this Spellbinder guy is getting around. Um, Terry then goes to find uh, his friend Jared – I'm sorry. He goes to his friend Jared's mother's wedding, and uh, while their Spellbinder causes uh, Jared's mother to think that she's trapped in this cave full of r really nasty alien bug creatures, and uh, she goes batshit and starts ripping off her clothing, her jewelry, and everything, and she runs out of the building – while Batman tries to tackle Spellbinder. Uh, she jumps in front of a train, and Batman saves her while Spellbinder gets away, but when he catches up to him, Spellbinder hits Batman with his magic eye device thing, and uh, then he thinks he's on top of, I guess, Niagara Falls or something, and he he's all happy, and he leaps off. He leaps off of the hovercraft and plummets towards the street below, and Bruce, who's watching through the video feed, snaps Terry out of it just in time to keep him from plunging to his death. But he's still nicked up pretty badly. Um, so the next day, Terry's called into the school counselor's office, and uh, the guy, uh, I believe his name is Ira Billings, puts uh, puts Terry under a trance to, because he knows that uh, he's Bruce Wayne's houseboy, and he puts him under a trance so he can start stealing stuff from Wayne Manor. But uh, Bruce snaps Terry out of it uh, later when he sees <laughs> Terry ransacking the manor. <laughs> Um, yeah, so <laughs> he takes... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I gotta interrupt It's not just he snaps him out of it. He throws the cane at him, makes Terry trip, and then he smacks the kid. Yep. <laughs> he smacks him. It's great. It's like, can you imagine when he was younger how he treated Dick Grayson if this is how he's treating Terry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just I had to get that out there. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, you know, Terry, uh, go, Terry and Bruce go to the cave, and Bruce, uh, reveals that the psychologist is Spellbinder because he was connected to all the victims. And Terry changes to Batman, and he eventually defeats Spellbinder after being put, uh, being put under another hallucination of, this time, zombies. And uh, it should be noted that Barbara Gordon confronts Bruce and Terry outside the manor at the end of the episode when all the fighting's done. Uh, Billing goes off to prison, and she pretty much deduces there that uh, Terry is the new Batman. So what do you think about this one? Uh, really? I yeah. was kind of digging this one. Mm, not, not really. Not for me. What weren't you liking about this one? Uh, the character of Ira Billings, for one thing. Um, the guy, this guy's motivation is that he didn't get paid enough. <laughs> that that, true, that's yeah. his motivation for doing all this shit. You're right, because what's he say? That they pay their garbage men more than they pay me? Yeah. Yeah. That's weak. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just like the uh, motivation for that guy in our previous episode here. Yeah. That's weak. And there were, don't get me wrong, there were things I liked about this episode. Um not the least of which was, who's DG? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a scout. But I'm sorry, I, I got a better quote, though. I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Yeah, if you want to say it, you go ahead. <laughs> Wayne, you alive? Very funny. 
Oh no, that's not the one I was referring oh, to. Oh, okay. Where uh, <laughs> uh, Terry is talking to Bruce about the girl, and uh, Bruce is saying, "Just leave it alone. She's a troubled kid." And then Terry says, "Guess you're the expert on troubled kids. You collect them, right?" <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when Terry said that, I was like, "Oh shit, man!" Oh, Bruce gives him this look, like, "Yeah, you're it's, dead." <laughs> it's like that's Batman you're talking to. You're still earning the right to be Batman. That's motherfucking Batman. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and you could argue that he's a troubled kid too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he he was probably lump- lumping himself in with the group, no doubt. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Oh, oh man. What else? What else weren't you liking about this one? There were a lot of animation problems here. Um they No, the animation was good. What were what were what was Okay, bad? these are there's these can all be classified as nitpicky maybe, but they I think they should be mentioned. When Billings is captured, uh when uh Batman is ah. holding him over the cliff, he's not wearing any glasses. In the police car, he's wearing glasses. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. When uh Barbara's questioning Billings uh, early in the episode, this, I know this is an, another nitpick, but still, his uh, seat back, the seat of Billing's seat back, disappears and reappears several times in different camera frames. Ooh, that's bad. Um, and then Spellbinder's costume gloves change color from orange to black several times for no reason. Oh, um, and the eye is on different hands in different scenes. So. Hmm. And also in the credits, they misspell the character's name. <laughs> what do they misspell? Uh, they just, Spellbinder. They spell it Ira Billing. Instead of Billings. It's, again, I know all those are nitpicky, but I felt I had to mention them. Well, they're, they're big when you add them up together, though. Yeah. Um, I think the reason I was liking this episode, because it's, I mean, you're right, the plot is kind of weak. You don't pay me enough, so I'm going to steal, you know? Yeah, okay, okay. But I really liked the visions that people saw, the Indiana Jones Tomb Raider thing with the first girl. Um... Uh, what was the next one? The Vietnam War one. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it, we didn't get, like, a ton of it, you know, because, you know, they splice it back and forth between what he's seeing and what, you know, what Terry is seeing, mm-hmm. the way this guy is acting. But I thought that was intense, especially when he threw the mug and it rolls on the ground and shatters against the wall. And then the grenade explodes explodes because that's what he thinks it is. Um, and then the the bugs in the cave with the uh, with with Terry's friend's mom. That was intense, and they were creepy. And Terry's vision with the zombies was just, oh. I I really think all those things, in my opinion, made up for any animation flaws that the episode did admittedly have. I can see where you're coming from there. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Liking, disliking, whatever. Uh, there, were, there was a, I don't know, it was a blink-and-you-miss-it kind of thing, but at the auction house... Uh, the collection of dresses was called the Princess Audrey Collection. I have to think that's uh, referencing Princess Audrey, who will be introduced to in Justice League, where Wonder Woman is there. She's off in Kaznia and for that like peace summit or something. And it was, I think, well, God, I can never remember the name of that episode. Uh, What's going on in that episode? Is that the one? That's the one where, where Vandal Savage takes over Kaznia and tries to blow up the world with the railgun. I'm not remembering that one, I don't think. But yeah, that may be. They might have just used the name here and then later on created a character. Continuity. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that that's cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then there was the uh, the supermarket sweep lampooning. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. I used to watch that that damn game show all the time. <laughs> I don't even know why I watched that. I, I it was just on, so I, I watched it. But I, I hated that show. So <laughs> when I saw it here, I was like, I look at Jen. I'm like. I'm like, what was that show called in the grocery store? She's like, Supermarket Sweep. I go, that's it, because what do they call it here? Supermarket... Spree, I think. Spree, that's it, yeah. It's one of those things where, is that show still on? And do our younger listeners even know what it is? Uh, I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 uh, let, let me put it this way. If there's any listeners under, what do you want to say, James? 18? Yeah, 18-ish. Let's say if you're under 18, write in and let us know if you know what supermarket uh, uh, sweep sweep is. If you've ever seen it, I mean, really just seen it, because you might know what it is because you heard someone talk about it or you wikied it. But if you've ever seen it, write in and let us know, because I don't know if it's still on the air or if it's a generational thing, because that might end up being like the Johnny Cochran gag, though not as bad, obviously, mm-hmm. where down the line, anybody who's looking at this is going to be like, what the hell? Is that a grocery store game show? What? <laughs> <laughs> but it was big TV, people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's about, it was the only reason I ever watched the Lifetime Network. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you notice that the music during the wedding, we've heard that before. I this, don't remember. Yeah, I don't know where we've heard it before. I mean, I know it was from BTAS or Gotham Knights. Uh, hell, maybe it was Superman. So I'm not exactly sure where I remember it from. But I, I know we've heard it in the universe before. But it's when they're walking down the stairs, uh, the married couple, but before we see the hands come up with the remote control that's uh, controlling the camera that flashes the thing at the bride and makes her go crazy and strip and throw her diamonds everywhere. Um, it's that music right there. Someone, please... Go listen to that and tell me what episode uh, that's from, or even what series it's from, because I know it's from the DCAU. I'm going to make a note of that to go back and listen to it, because I wasn't really even paying attention to the the uh, music there. I was just paying attention to the dialogue between Terry and uh, his friend. Yeah, I, I did like that, because earlier the friends all like, ah, oh, she's getting married. She goes through husbands like water, and then like all pop, of a sudden like he's liking <laughs> Yeah, oh, popcorn, that's it, yeah. And then all of a sudden he's liking the guy, and Terry's like, hey, wait a minute, you know? He's like, well, he bought me a car. <laughs> um, I want to bring up the fact that I like the fact that they're showing that Terry's still a rookie. You know, we know he's only been doing this for a little while now, and that's by virtue of the fact that he's making a lot of mistakes. He ruins this suit. I mean, that suit, you said he gets nicked up. He destroyed that I meant, suit. I meant him his in his regular, oh, just oh, okay. everyday street himself. clothes. He had bandages on. That's all I meant by that. Okay, yeah, because that suit, it lost its outer skin. We could see its circuitry. He looked more like a robot yeah. than a superhero, really. Um, but besides that, he gets hypnotized three times. That guy flashes him three times. There's the cliff diving there's the zombies, and there's the go rob Bruce Wayne stuff, which was the supermarket sweep stuff. You could even say four times with him almost jumping off of the cliff by Wayne Manor. Oh, what am I not... Oh, 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 when he thought he was out of... That's right, because he thought he was out of the dream, but it turned out he was still in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll give you three and a half. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, those are rookie mistakes he's making. Catch him once, sure. Batman even, even gets caught from time to time by your random thug, you know? But for, for Terry to get caught three times by this guy, and he knows the guy's gimmick, 
just close your eyes when you see him walking towards you and you're not going to get caught. Yes. No, I, I do appreciate it because I like seeing the hero grow. I like seeing him take his lumps and learning from them and not letting it happen again. So assuming Spellbinder comes back, I'm hoping Terry doesn't get hypnotized again because he knows what to do and what not to do around this schmo. Speaking of which, does uh, Spellbinder come back? Do you know? I think he does, but I don't know for certain at the moment. Speaking of him, what do you think of the design of the character? I like the design of his costume. I mm-hmm. I just don't like the character of Ira Billings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At first, I was looking at it. I'm like, this design's kind of stupid. And then the more I looked at it, I'm like, no, that's kind of cool, actually. Just the orange and black swirly stuff. And the only thing I couldn't understand is why was his hover car thing shaped like a wasp? I don't know. Because he wasn't doing an insect gimmick. He was just doing a hypnotist gimmick. So why does he have a waspy looking thingamajig to fly around on? I, I, I just didn't get that one. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something I'm missing. Well, they never even explain where he gets any of this kind of high-tech stuff. <laughs> Considering he's complaining about money. Yeah. Exactly. And yes, he comes back twice. Okay. <laughs> How was I supposed to know Batman would be there? Batman's everywhere these days. Everywhere. At least I knocked down one of those buildings for you. Well, whoop-dee-doo. It's the land I want. And unless I can shut Wayne up, the stockholders will never authorize the purchase. Don't worry. Next time I'll get him. Guaranteed. Haven't you been listening? It's over. Wayne's in the hospital now, with guards. There's no way you could get to him. I wouldn't be so sure of that. Next up is Shriek. In this one, Derek Powers wants to destroy or, well, buy a uh, rundown area of Gotham City so that he can uh, build it up and, of course, make an assload of money on it. But Bruce Wayne is saying, no, we should restore that district because it's a big part of Gotham City's heritage. And we should be a city that looks to its past to uh, understand where we're going in the future. Um, of course, Bruce does have some personal uh, motivation here because the area that Powers wants to uh, buy up level and uh, do whatever he wants with is the area um, where his parents were killed. It is the home of the old Gotham City Police Department. Uh, so it has a lot of meaning to him. In the meantime... Um, Powers is talking to a sound engineer uh, by the name of Shreve. And Shreve has invented this suit that um, emits sound waves. And he sees it to be used uh, in the like for construction, that you can just take down a building in seconds with it. But Powers doesn't want to have anything to do with the suit because though it looks cool and it works, it's just not practical. As he puts it, dynamite is so much cheaper than it would be to engineer just even one of these suits. Um, so he tells Shreve, he goes, but your suit isn't useless. You can do a favor for me. So he sicks Shreve on Bruce Wayne because he figures if he can get rid of Bruce Wayne, he can get rid of the loudest voice behind the, oh, let's save the old city, uh, movement. So, uh, Shreve, Shreve as right now he doesn't have a name, but he'll become a villain named Shriek. Shriek goes after Wayne and, uh, really, really kind of lays him out, but Terry, of course, is there, saves Bruce, and uh, Bruce ends up going to the hospital because he is in a bad way, and while he's in there, uh, Shreve, as Shriek, 
uses uh, his uh, sound engineering know-how to trick Bruce into thinking that he's hearing voices. And uh, those voices are telling Bruce to jump out the window, to kill himself. Uh, so because Bruce admits he's hearing voices while he's in the hospital, he gets put in the psych ward. So Terry has to break Bruce out while finding a way to stop Shriek and Powers. Um, I think that does it for this one. So, James, what are you thinking here? Um, gotta admit, at first I wasn't overly thrilled with this episode, but in the last four minutes of this episode, I upped the grade of this episode about three points. Yes, just for the sound alone, right? The the whole silent fight, mm-hmm. uh, Ace saving Batman, doing, yeah, doing being cool. a, being a dog able to hear the sounds anyway, mm-hmm. Shreve going deaf, and then. Bruce admitting that he doesn't call himself Bruce. <laughs> yes. It was just brilliant that just the last four or five minutes of this episode really I – I'm not even going to say saved because it wasn't a, a bad episode up to that point. It was just kind of eh, there, but yeah. really just brought this episode up into the really good, too great car- uh, category. Yeah, for for anybody who hasn't seen this episode in a long time or ever, please explain what you're talking about with Bruce there, because that was so awesome. It was so awesome. I was watching it on my computer, okay? So after I heard the line, I've heard the line before, and every time I hear it, I laugh at it. Uh, I, I pulled the headphones out, and I rewound uh, the, the video for a few seconds. I go, Jen, you got to hear this. And even she got a chuckle out of it. Um, so please explain what Bruce was doing there. Um, basically what happens is... After all this is said and done and uh, Bruce, you know, he's out of the psych ward and everything and he and Terry are just, they're standing there talking and uh, Bruce admits to Terry that he never really thought he was going crazy because the voices were calling him Bruce and he just admits that he doesn't call himself Bruce and Terry (laughs) says, what do you call yourself? Bruce just looks at him and says, oh, but, you know, that's my name now. <laughs> and then and Bruce is like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not doing it justice. I'm really not. It's just it's a great scene. Yeah, it's so awesome. And I I just love everything about it because we've got Bruce right there. I mean, that's who he is. And he's admitting that Bruce Wayne is the mask. You know, there's always that debate, you know, does Bruce Wayne exist or is he really Batman? And right here, even though he's 80 something years old, Bruce is admitting he's not Bruce Wayne. He is still Batman and he'll fucking kick your ass. You know, (laughs) and Terry, yeah, you're just a young upstart who's wearing my old costume. You know, (laughs) that's what's going on. there. It's oh, I love it. I love it. (laughs) What else? What else do you want to say about this one? Well, as I was saying before, even before that, the uh, what happens is, uh, Shriek uses his technology uh, to counter the waves from all the sound in this factory that they're fighting in. So everything goes completely silent. So all that we're 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 seeing the fight happen on screen, and we're hearing the orchestral music in the background, and that's it. We're not hearing any of the punches, the thuds, the crashes, anything. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was like watching a silent film fight. Uh, in like 2050 or 2030, wherever this is taking place. Yeah. Um, and then if Ace, who uh, is is sitting in the Batmobile with Bruce at the at the moment, uh, just runs like like a banshee out of there and uh, saves Terry from being run over by a truck because Terry can't hear anything because of all the the technology that this guy is using uh, against him. 
Ace, being a dog, is still able to hear all these sounds, and he saves Terry from getting run over by a truck. It's mm-hmm. just awesome. And then Shreve ends up going deaf because the thing uh, – uh, Terry ends up destroying the technology, and all these sounds just overload his his uh, ears, and he goes deaf. It's really, really freaky. Very yeah, because what was happening was he – you know, he, he nullified all the sound, but you saw him cranking up the suit. So, you know, what he was doing was he was allowing himself to still hear. So he was basically turning up the volume for himself. Right. While everything else was silent. So when all the sounds came back, they were like 100 times louder or whatever than they should have been. It would be like going into a room with night vision goggles and then having someone flick on the lights. You'd go blind. But just take that concept and just, you, you know... Uh, replace vision with sound, and that's exactly what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- that whole end sequence is just wicked because for like th- I-, I-, I timed it, we get like only footsteps for like thirty seconds, and then after that we do get some sounds coming back, but the- and then the like the score comes in, and that's all we get for thirty seconds. You know, there's like a little interlude where with Bruce talking to Ace, and that's when Ace does go run and save uh, Batman there. But uh, it sounds weird to say Bruce and Batman in the same sentence and not referring to the same people. Yeah. Um, I do have to admit that. In fact, in my notes, to, to make sure I know that I'm referring to Terry, I actually write Terry and not Batman <laughs> because I'm afraid I'll think I'm getting confused. But anyways, anyways, yeah, it's just the whole thing, the soundlessness really only lasts for like a minute, but it feels like it goes on for longer than that because we're not used to that trick being used in anything in movies and television and cartoons nothing oh it's so wonderful i've always had a soft spot for this episode and when i saw this one was coming up for us to review i was so excited yeah because I, I didn't know what you thought about this one i really want to hear your thoughts so i'm so glad that you were digging it and as you said especially those last few minutes during the mostly silent fight sequence so that's pretty much how i felt about getting to review meltdown because that was one of the few episodes i had, I had seen prior mm-hmm. to us doing uh, WFP here, and uh, I had never seen this episode before. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah, never. It, and, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah. I about, mean, I'm sorry, and just, just speaking about the sound, throughout this entire episode, not just in that last sequence, the sound effects are awesome. Oh, yes. I mean, they went all out, because you have to. If you have a character whose gimmick is, like, manipulating sound and using it to trick you to think. Because in the beginning, uh, he, he's demonstrating this stuff to Powers, and he makes Powers think that he's about to get run over by a train with nothing more than his device and a flashlight. That's all he uses. And Powers sees a train coming at himself and nearly pisses him his pants. Um, so if you're going to have a character like that, you have to put so much energy into what your audience is going to hear. And I don't think there's a single episode in the DCAU that sounds better than this one. There might be ones with better scores. That's true. But I'm talking when it just comes to all the noises, the footsteps, the, the, the little sound effects when he's blasting things, just everything. This is perfect. I'm sorry, what were you going to say a second ago? I was just going to go back to uh, when Bruce has been, for lack of a better word or phrase, taken out uh, and Terry's having to communicate with the back computer. That, uh, that's hilarious. He's like, oh, we're the, not recognizing the commands. Yeah. yeah, he's like, do the thing with the thing, <laughs> the spectrographical analysis. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> now, did you notice that was a different voice for the computer, though? Because previously, the voice was done by uh, the same actor who did Two Face. 
Really? I didn't even know I'm that. I'm 99% sure it was, and the voice here was not that same voice. Hmm. It made me a little sad that the back computer had a different voice, but... Oh, well, it just means Bruce upgraded, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else, though? I mean, I've got a couple notes, but they're just really small things. Yeah, I just... I don't, I like this one so much that I'm having a hard time saying more about it, though I have more to say. Um, I'll just throw a question out there. Is Shreve slash Shriek a junkie? Because he looks like he's fixing for something, I gotta tell you. He does, but I couldn't, I'm not even gonna venture a guess. Yeah, I mean, he either doesn't get any sleep at all, ever, or he is really looking for where his next hit is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Um, of course, we should note that this is, to my knowledge, the first appearance of uh, Wayne's limo, which is the upside down Batmobile. Yes. Yep. That that's always cool to see. Um, I thought it was a really cool little thing when Bruce is going through the GCPD, the old one, and the Joker wanted poster is still up there. Yep. And he just stares at it and keeps on moving. I liked that. Um, because that's your first. In the first, your, your your first inkling in the Batman Beyond universe. Whoa, what happened to the Joker? Yeah, yeah, because there's this whole Joker's gang. But yeah, you're right. This is the first time I was like, oh yeah, yeah. There's been no mention or anything. Um, I'd also like to bring up that the voices uh, when Bruce is hearing them in the hospital when he's just going crazy before they put on the psych ward. You know, mm -hmm. that is so tense. And, you know, of course, at the end, we find out that Bruce knew it wasn't coming from himself. But at the same time, he still, on some level, might have been questioning his sanity, no matter what he says. And just hearing him scream and lose control of himself, you don't see that happen, happen to Bruce, be it young Bruce or old Bruce. He's normally Mr. Calm, Cool, and Collected. And I like seeing characters thrown off their game. Yeah, really. And that's exactly what we were getting with him. Really, what it amounted to is he just wanted the voices to stop, and maybe he maybe he was going to take the plunge. Never yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, he opened the window. He was doing what it said. It said, don't eat the sandwich. He didn't eat the sandwich. It said, get out of bed. He got out of bed. He said, open the window. It, he opened the window. Would he have done it? I, ugh, I don't know. I don't even want to think about it, really. Mm. You know. And uh, I, I think the last thing I really just want to throw out there, just a little last random bit. Terry going undercover. I love it. Just undercover as the pizza guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've seen Bruce do it before, and now we got Terry doing it. And he does it all on his own. Bruce didn't tell him to do it. Yeah. He's just like, oh, well, I have to figure out how to do this. Okay, I'm going to be a pizza guy. And, I, you know, knowing what we know about Terry genetically, I like that, that he is emulating his... Not a spoiler to say. Dad. Yeah, you know. His biological father. Yeah. If that was a spoiler, people, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to it in about two years. Yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. You said you had some more notes. What what, what were they? Um, I really, I think you said one of them and uh, I said one of them. The only other thing I think I had to mention was he cha uh, Terry changed to Batman really quickly there in that opening scene. Uh what was the opening scene? I'm not remembering. I, see, that's the thing. I'm, I'm trying to remember what all was happening there, too. I just know, I, I made the note, like, wow, that was, he's off panel one, one second, and then all of a sudden, next panel, or next screen, he's Batman. It was like, that was really quick. 
Yeah, I've noticed that in a couple of episodes. Uh, in the last one, I think it was, um, he leaves the wedding, goes to his motorcycle, pulls out the suit, and then like two seconds later, he's there. And it's like, uh, okay, you put that on awfully quick. I, I don't know. You know, maybe there's something... I don't mean to... Well, okay, I, I do mean to explain away every little thing, I guess. <laughs> but maybe there's something with the suit. Maybe he doesn't have to put it on like a normal costume. You know, I'm not trying to imply that it's like Venom where he it touches it. He touches it and it just forms to him like a symbiote. But maybe it does something sort of like that. I don't know. We we never see him put it on. We see him take the mask off. That's it. So I, I don't know. It just allows him to change. I, I don't know. I don't I'm know. making stuff up. <laughs> um. I'd like to add that there's so much in this episode. To me, it felt like almost like a two-parter. Because think about everything that's going on. They, they want to level old Gotham. Bruce is going crazy or questionably he's going crazy. Terry's got to fight the villain. You know, Powers is manipulating all this stuff from behind the scenes. There's the stockholder meetings. This this really could have been another one that was stretched out to two parts, I think. Yeah, I don't. Again, I don't think it needed to be, but there's so much going on. It could have been, and I would have liked it if it was, because we would have got more of this awesome sound design going on. And do you know if Shriek comes back? Yeah, he comes back in oh, the episode Babel. Okay, good, good, good. I'm I'm, I'm glad because I, I want to see this character again. I want to see if they can keep up this this awesome level of just sound. It, it's so weird. This, I think this is the first time we've ever talked about sound on this show. Yeah, just in this kind of hardcore manner. Yeah, I mean, really, guys, if if you only, in my opinion, get to watch one of the five episodes that we are covering this week, make it this one. You know, I, just just see them all. <laughs> you know, make it this one just because of how awesome it is and what you're going to experience in those last few minutes because when you're watching those last few minutes that's when you realize how much music and sound comes into play in in every episode of this cartoon series in every tv show and every movie just in every form of visual entertainment and it, it'll blow your mind how your viewing experience changes be, without it being there yeah and i gotta i have to add one last thing here mm -hmm. um when Shreve loses his hearing, that's another really tense moment there because yeah. he is just aghast. He is screaming, and he can't even hear himself scream Yeah, uh, because he's just lost the thing most valuable to him because he's yeah. a sound I, engineer. I mean, yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it, it's, an, it's an ironic punishment for the guy, as you said. I mean, he even if he were to be reformed, he can no longer do what he wants to do. That's her. Kind of blurry. It's the only photo Interpol has. It was taken at the airport assassination in Berlin. Who is she? Curare. She's as lethal as her name. A member of the Society of Assassins. No one knows her original name anymore. Or her face. What about the sword? A scimitar. Sharpened by lasers to an edge no thicker than a molecule. Guess you'll want me to keep an eye on the commissioner. No. Barbara Gordon's not the target. Her husband is. How did she... Man, what do we do? Hello, Barbara. Long time, Bruce. How's Sam? Holding up. 
He's scheduled to testify Wednesday at the trial of Fyodor Davich, the international arms dealer. Without the testimony, Davich will walk. So he's arranged for my husband to be hit before the deposition. I see you sewed up the bullet holes. You're Batgirl. She's Batgirl. Was Batgirl. That brand of costume justice went out with the Tommy gun, kid. I appreciate what you did tonight, but I want you to stay out of police business. Of course, maybe I'm talking to the wrong guy. Hard to believe you're still remaking your image at this late date. I never forced him. It's what I wanted. That's what we all thought at the beginning. I've looked the other way so far, but I'm not my father. I don't want to have to come back here again. Capiche? Does this mean you won't be wanting the information I have on Curare? I mean it, Bruce. Stay out of it. And finally up today is A Touch of Curare. In this episode, we found out that uh, Barbara Gordon has married a DA named Sam, and they're just having a walk through the park, a uh, leisurely kind of stroll, when uh, a woman dressed in blue assaults them with a particularly nasty sword, and uh, Batman intervenes just in time and knocks the woman away. And she and Batman end up fighting and chasing each other all over the park, but uh, she eventually gets away. So back at the manor, Wayne tells Terry that her name is Curare, and apparently she is so mysterious nobody knows her name, and the only photo that Interpol has on her is a blurry photo from uh, an assassination attempt at a Berlin airport years ago. Um, she's a member of the, uh, the Society of Assassins, and her sword has a blade with an edge no wider than a molecule. So basically, it's a solid lightsaber. <laughs> uh, so... Terry thinks that he should go keep an eye on Gordon, but Bruce says that Curare isn't after her, and suddenly Barbara enters the Batcave and finishes the sentence by saying her husband is the target. Um, because, she says, her husband is set to testify against uh, some international terrorist, and without his testimony, the guy's going to walk. So they put out a hit on him. And at this point, Barbara walks over to the old Batgirl costume and uh, says that Bruce sewed up the old bullet holes, to which Terry puts two and two together and says, you're Batgirl. She's Batgirl. <laughs> and Barbara says, was, and then she demands that they stay out of the police business, to which Bruce then hands her a disc with the information on Curare, and she reluct uh, reluctantly accepts it, only to reiterate for them to stay away from uh, from this whole thing. Um after this, they cut to Curare standing before the society where they rebuke her for her failure and uh, say those ominous, ominous words, you know the price of failure. <laughs> so the next night, there's uh, there's pretty much an army of police guarding Sam uh, at the HQ, but uh, they manage to get him away uh, kind of in secret before Curare begins her assault on the compound. Uh, she and Batman start duking it out all over the place through several buildings, and eventually Batman gets trapped in the in the trap meant for Curare. Uh, so she escapes, but Batman does too. And uh, later, Gordon confronts Terry on the street, and she's super pissed. She tells him that if she so much as sees another pointy ear again, she'll arrest Bruce and him. Uh, Terry then asks why she hates Bruce so much, and they just they go to like a coffee shop and start talking about it. 
And Barbara confides in Terry that she used to date uh, Richard Grayson. Aha, see what I did there? <laughs> didn't, she didn't used to date. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, and at that, and that she, uh, he was hurt when she decided to stay with Bruce after he left Gotham. And she also not so subtly hints that there was romance between uh, Bruce and her. But Bruce was so obsessed with the mission that she just grew tired of it. And she says she doesn't hate him. She just hates what he's become. And Bruce later tells Terry uh, what we already know uh, from watching the, the ensuing scene, that Sam will be on a certain train heading back into Gotham to make his testimony. And although Terry is reticent to interfere, he you know he still agrees to do it. Uh, Curie manages to cause the train to crash into a building, and she uh, assaults Barbara and Sam in a, a meat locker, and, but Batman makes it just in the nick of time to save them, and Curie and Batman have one hell of a spectacular fight, but Barbara actually ends up saving Terry by knocking the sword out of Curie's hand into a meat grinder with a batarang. So they capture her, but later that night, Terry's watching the news and sees that she escaped custody. But Bruce assure, pretty much assures him that she's not going to be going after Sam anymore because she has other concerns. And the last thing we see is her speeding away from Gotham when a sword pierces through the roof of the car she's driving. And her eyes all just bug out like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? Um, This episode, I mean, we get a lot of backstory. Uh, it starts to fill in the gaps between the end of, I'm guessing, JLU and uh, the point where Batman Beyond begins. We, we do get a couple of hints of things that might have happened. And there's a shit ton of action. That's going on. But at the same time, the episode really didn't blow me away. And I'm kind of sad by that. Because this is the kind of episode that should. Lots of action, you know, some character motivation, or not motivation, some character uh, growth, some uh, reveals happen. But I don't know, something, th those two aspects weren't coming together for me. Um, again, not bad, just. Yeah, I don't know. What about you? I don't know. I love this episode. I really do. Um, and most of it is is because of Barbara Gordon, of course. Yeah. She, I mean, she was the MVP of the episode, so to mm -hmm. speak. Um, when she first, I mean, when she first walks into the Batcave, you're like, "Holy shit, that's awesome!" She's yeah. she's back in the cave, and <laughs> um, and she manages to look strong. Uh, and they still they're still able to have Bruce plant the seeds of doubt as to whether she should really be refusing their help. So. Mm -hmm. Really, Bruce maintains his badass uh, detective image, and Barbara still comes off as she's she's not her father. She doesn't want to be handicapped by having the Batman roaming around, you know. Right. So I I really dug that a lot. Um, I'm sorry if you don't mind me jumping oh, in real quick. One of the things I liked about that scene in the cave is that Barbara paraphrases one of the last things Dick said to her as Robin. Uh, remember, there's that famous thing during uh, Old Wounds where Dick as Robin is saying, you don't know him. He, you know, he manipulates people. You, you like, remember she said it was her choice to go along right. with the fight, to the, fight right. the Joker. And Dick's like, no, you don't know him. He, he makes you think that was your choice. She paraphrases that exact same thing to Terry right in front of Bruce. And I was like, oh, my God, that was awesome. Because that's not a coincidence. The, I mean, they knew what they were doing. Barbara learned her lesson. Grayson was right. 
and and to, so to have her turn around and try to tell this young boy leave now please yes and to have it not work you know just just awesome writing all around there absolutely um though one of the bits of writing that I wasn't crazy about was Barbara telling Terry on the street that if you get into police business again I'm going to arrest you and Bruce yeah and what are you going to tell them? How are you going to tell the DA or any prosecutors or whoever that you knew who Bruce Wayne was, that you knew he used to be Batman and that Terry was Batman now? The only way she could do that is if she admitted she used to be Batgirl. If she admits she was Batgirl, then every case she has worked on since she's been commissioner, if, if anybody's still alive, is is going to be reviewed and overturned just because... People are going to wonder, did she use vigilante tactics while she was a police officer? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. um, they're, they're going to completely fire her, possibly arrest her. Her husband, whether he knows or not, is going to be questioned and lose his job. And I really wish Terry would have called her bluff. But at the same time, that's not the kind of character he is. Bruce would have. Terry wouldn't. But I still didn't like the line being there. Because it was just one of those things where I'm like, no, she... she she couldn't do that. It's it's a total front that she's putting out there, and it, it's just blatantly obvious. I just I just didn't like it. Did you pick up on that, or am I just sort of nitpicking? I did not pick up on that, but you are a hundred percent correct, and I feel yeah. really bad that I didn't I didn't notice that because that's <laughs> you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, did you also notice that uh, Kirare never said a word? Oh yeah, or did I, she? Well, she Wait, had grunts. She, say... she had grunts and. Ugh, you know, right. stuff like that. She never spoke, ever. Right. No, the reason... Because you're right. At first, I was like, no, she never said anything. But then I started wondering if she said anything when she was in front of her uh, masters, for lack of a better word. She didn't say anything in there, did no, she? No, she was completely silent. Right. Yeah, I think she had maybe one or two grunts, and that was it. And I love it. We never see her face. Terry does, but we never do. Which we is... never hear her voice. You know, she's just this badass, silent assassin. That I was liking, too. And it's like, why is she blue? I don't know. She just is. Yeah. I mean, it's very Star Wars-esque there. <laughs> you never mm-hmm. get the skin color. But that's the thing, though. They, That's really cool. Terry is now one of the only people on the planet who has seen what she really looks like. He mm-hmm. may be the only person alive who knows what she looks like. Right. Because, you know, I'm sure that anybody who else who has seen her face is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was I really dug that a lot too. Um one thing I have to this is just another one of those things where I'm it's not like I liked it or disliked it, it's just kind of interesting. When Terry gets caught in that laser net thing that was meant for Curare, mm-hmm. the sword is trapped in there with him. So Curare walks up to this thing, and takes the sword out, and where where's the sword, Mike? Do you remember? <laughs> No. She pulls it out from under his legs, and she pu- <laughs> she stands up really slowly and just pulls it out from between his knees. I'm thinking to myself, wow. Wow, you could have just sliced Batman in half through his crotch, and you didn't do it. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I may have to go watch that later on. Um, I mean, nice yeah, it was, it was, the sword was stuck in the dummy, you might remember. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah that's remember. where she pulls it out from, and she pulls it out mm-hmm. under Batman's mm-hmm. crotch. Yeah. <laughs> now, we have to bring it up. We have to talk about it. The big controversy about was Barbara blowing smoke? Was she making stuff up about her relationship with Bruce just to tease Terry? Was there something? Was it all in her mind? Discuss. 
<laughs> I, I have to assume there was some kind of romance there. I, I really do. I'm going to – because, I mean, when you go back to Mystery of the Batwoman and mm-hmm. you see that uh, the flirting there and Bruce is like, uh, um, yeah, <laughs> and you go, come to this and she's – you know, she's not saying it, but she's pretty much implying it full on that there was something there. Well, that's the thing. She goes further than that. She almost implies they were married because Terry like, says something like, oh, yeah, you were partners, and she just kind of looks at him. She doesn't say anything. He goes, dating, which would imply that if they were dating, they were sleeping together. Yeah. And then she still just looks at him, and he goes, whoa. And what what else is beyond dating? Marriage. Yep. So... Did they have a short marriage? But the thing is, she never confirms it. She just gives them sort of a, eh, 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 what well, do you think, buddy, kind of look. So maybe she was just jerking the kid around. I don't know. I don't, well, the, there is more to, to that. There, that there could have been a marriage there because she says, it seems so perfect. The, the cup, the, what is it? The, the, whatever she says, I cannot remember the line. The couple fighting crime on the streets together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they might have been married in this, in this DCAU continuity. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's it just so ambiguous. Yeah, I, I just wish they would have come out and said, yes, they got married. Okay, there we go. We have to accept it. I mean, I, I on some level, I like the ambiguity, but I don't know. I don't know. I just, it'd be <laughs> nice to have it set at the same time. Yeah. Um, Were you picking up any Night of the Ninja vibes from this one? No. Why? No. I don't know. I, I I don't know. Remember the two Batman the Animated oh, Series episodes? I know exactly what episode you're talking about, yeah. What was the other one? Night of the Ninja? Day of the, Day of the Samurai. Samurai? I don't know. Just from that, where Bruce had to go up against this you know, ninja guy who was doing all these tricks and was outsmarting him and was a master assassin. And here, Terry's doing the same thing. The only difference is that Terry didn't you know, train with Curare. That's all. I don't know. I was just... I'm not saying any parallels were intentional. I'm just saying I I was just thinking maybe they were there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I see where you're coming from there, but okay. yeah, I I didn't really think about those. I was just I really I really did though like the action though. These were some great action scenes, especially mm-hmm. the one in the meat the meat locker factory yeah. thing place, <laughs> uh, and Barbara hurling the batarang at Curare was just great. And I love the smirk when she catches it. Uh-huh. She's just like, ah, ah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Curare's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she doesn't expect this old woman to be attacking her. Because Barbara would be between 60 and 70 at this point, depending on how much time has passed mm-hmm. between the end of Justice League Unlimited and now. Um, so she's not thinking. I mean, this woman's on the verge of retirement, really, if you think about it. And she's throwing batarangs around like a spry young chick. Hello. <laughs> oh, speaking of that scene, Sheaf is freely admitting in front of Terry that she used to throw batarangs, which means she had to be Batgirl in front of her husband. So that makes me wonder if she has told him what she used to do or if she has a lot of explaining to do that night at home. Because <laughs> <laughs> Terry says, does that feel like, or, you know, did that feel good? And she says something like, yeah, like old times. You know, if that was my wife, I'd be like, what? What are you talking about? You know? Oh, God. <laughs> That's great. I'll yeah. tell you another thing I love about that scene. The bloody footprints. What were they bloody from, though? The, I guess just the the meat 
all over the place. I that's the only thing I I thought of. Right. Because I liked them, but I didn't understand where the blood was coming from. Because it didn't look like anybody really got seriously injured when the train shot off the tracks and smashed through a building. Um, yeah, how about that? I think that would have killed some people, but hey, those trains in Gotham are sturdy, I guess. Um, Unless they're killing Rachel Ghoul and Batman Begins. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Um, I, like I said, I didn't know if the blood was coming from there, the meat locker, or what. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like, but yeah, they were they were cool seeing them. I don't really have a lot of notes because again, this is a, I love this episode and I just like to watch it. But mm-hmm. another thing, uh, there were some cops dying all over the place here. Yeah, uh, especially on that train, they're getting knocked mm-hmm. off all. Of, there's like it's raining cops all over Gotham. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, they're all dead. Yeah, they're not, I mean, back in BTAS and Gotham Knights and even Superman, you know, if someone fell out of, I don't know, out of a plane or off a train, they would show them landing in the water and then a second later bobbing up. Here, they're not even bothering. Yeah. It's like, dead, dead. dead. Oh, those four guys, they're really dead. Oh, that guy? Yeah, we didn't see him get split in half, but just wait three seconds, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And I I like that because it's more realistic. Right, yeah. If she's such a good assassin, then yes, let's not see these people alive. Um, oh, something I wanted to bring up. I really thought at the end of this one, they were, I don't know why I was thinking this, they were going to reveal that uh, Kirare was a robot. Hmm. Um, I think it stems from the fact that Terry saw her face and was shocked by it. So I was thinking maybe she kind of looked like Metallo, where she had some skin, but had been, had metal exposed to and then that grinder starts turning, and I'm like, oh, shit, she's going to fall in the grinder. I, and I'm like, the only way they can get away with that is if, like, metal parts go flying everywhere. And that's why she was so good, because she was a robot assassin. Right. Um, I'm glad they didn't go the robot route, because that would have been stupid. But it's really where I thought <laughs> they were going for a second there. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to say about this one? No. Nope, uh, I was just trying to think of what episode... Kirari comes back in, but... Oh, she does come back. I didn't even think to ask because of how this one ended. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, she comes back. I just can't remember what the hell episode it was. Yeah, uh, I don't know. So, I have a question. If Kirare failed to kill Commissioner Gordon's husband, and they sent an assassin after her to kill her, do they then send another assassin after the assassin who went after Kirare? Because he didn't hit his mark either. Huh? That, huh? that would be the... That would be the uh... The logical thought process there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, should we just get to our scores? Yeah, let's do that before I have an aneurysm. <laughs> okay, what do you want to give Meltdown? Um, I'm going to give that one an 8. I agree wholeheartedly. What is next? Heroes is next. Heroes, uh, again, like I said, didn't do it for me. I'm just going to give it a 5. I'm going to give that one a 6. How about Spellbound? Uh, I actually raised this one a point while we were talking about it to a 6. I am giving that one a seven. Let's see, Shriek. Shriek, I will give an eight. Again, we agree. And lastly, a touch of Curare. I will also give that one an eight. Oh wow! Three, I'm gonna three give eights. <laughs> I'm gonna give that one a six, but that may be one I do come back to because, like I said, something wasn't gelling in the moment. But I'm thinking maybe down the line it will work for me. I don't know. Tell me something. Why were you so sure those voices weren't coming from you? Well, first, I know I'm not psychotic. I hope your other reason's more convincing. And second, the voice kept calling me Bruce. In my mind, that's not what I call myself. What do you call yourself? Oh, yeah. I suppose you would. 
But that's my name now. Hmm. Tell that to my subconscious. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes from Batman Beyond, those being Disappearing Inc., Ascension, Joyride, Earthmover, and Splicers. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Thank you.